Welcome to Graceaholics. I am your host, Veronica. And I am your host, Courtney. How are you feeling? I could be better, but I'm here. So that's the important part. I'm stressed. I'm like, I, you look stressed. You're very I'm fidgety. A little stressed. Um, as you all know, last week's audio was not the greatest on my end. So I do apologize to our OnlyFans. You know who you are. Oh my God. I don't think they care. <laughs> but still, so I'm a little stressed up about that, but we are here. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I did just finish the, my version of the recap episode research just like 30 minutes ago, <laughs> but we're here. We made it. Whew. Well, what are you drinking today? I was indecisive. Okay. And I actually went to the liquor store yesterday and I bought some things. It's mm-hmm. either a pina colada or okay. a light margarita mix. And I went oh. with a margarita. What? Ooh. It is fucking hot. It is like 102. I just could not do a <gasps> pina colada. I had to do a freaking margarita. And it's, um, it was supposed to be on the, uh, like, frozen, but I guess I didn't put too much ice cubes. That is not frozen, no. <laughs> it's water. And I'm like putting a lot of like alcohol in it, tequila in it. And I'm like, holy shit. So who knows? Might be, it's a toss up. I mean, I guess we'll find out by the end. <laughs> <laughs> Those videos. How about you? What are you drinking? I'm kind of lame today and I am just having a Golden Road mango cart beer. Ooh, that sounds yummy though. They are my favorite. Just a reminder that we do have an Instagram and a Twitter account. You can follow us on both at Pod. All right. So today we will be discussing and recapping episode six from season one, If Tomorrow Never Comes, which is a song my first time hearing the song I found the Garth Brooks version I don't know if it's the original song but it's a love song that's good that basically says if I die tomorrow I wish for you all my love all of me something like that oh my god well that's depressing it's sweet yes (laughs) it's sweet So the Netflix description says, Alex works hard to gain the trust of Annie, a shy patient with a gargantuan tumor, only to make a fool of himself in front of her later, which I feel is like a not a great description because there's more than that. Right, right. I I feel like the Netflix descriptions are not great. (laughs) No, uh, get it together. Do you want to do the monologue? I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> I swear I have not been drinking yet. I mean, yeah, we're gonna ch- we're gonna try and behave this this episode <laughs> because, folks, I don't think we remember how we ended the episode last time. Nope, not at all. Editing was a nightmare. <laughs> there was a lot going on, so I was texting Courtney about it. I'm like, do you remember this? Cause I don't. 
hilarious. So you guys yeah. got the clean version. All right, time for the monologue. Okay. A couple hundred years ago, Benjamin Franklin shared with the world the secrets of success. Never leave that till tomorrow, which you can do today. This is the man who discovered electricity. You think more of us would listen to what he has to say. I don't know why we put things off, but if I had to guess, I'd say it has a lot to do with fear. Fear of failure, fear of pain, fear of rejection. Sometimes the fear is of just making a decision because what if you're wrong? What if you're making a mistake you can't undo? Wow. I'm telling wow. you, I'm telling you, this is deep. That that was a deep one and it is so true. So I true. I know. If anything, I feel like it's more relatable now. Yeah. With, with the way the world is. Yeah. I I'm that way though. Like I don't want to make a decision. So I just put it off and put it off and put it off until somebody else makes a decision for me. <laughs> and I feel like I am very thoughtful, but sometimes I just make really rash decisions. I can be very spontaneous. I do love spontaneous Veronica. Yeah. Sometimes it comes with regrets like the last week's episode, but you know, we live and you learn. It worked out, I think. <laughs> Sometimes. All right. Now for the recap version. Courtney, All right. Take it away. So we open the episode with Meredith awake, laying in bed while thunder booms outside. And then we see that it is rainy and stormy. And I just long for that kind of weather. We don't get that here in Southern California. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like that. You don't like rainy and thunderstormy? No, it gives me a headache. <gasps> oh, no. Well, yeah, my pain spikes, but my gosh, for my mental health, it does wonders. But like physical health, no. <laughs> I, I mean, it does make me slow down. Good. Good. Mm -hmm. Good. Mm -hmm. You need to slow down. Mm-hmm. So Meredith's alarm goes off and she turns it off and she just lays there. George is making his way down the hallway and PJ is carrying two cups of coffee. He tries to knock on Meredith's door while juggling the cups and ultimately spills them all over himself. Wait, I'm getting confused. I what? thought there was a sunrise with like Lion King sun. That's what I have in my notes. Do we watch a different intro? <laughs> Did we? Cause like I'm on like it was rainy and thunderstormy. I saw the sun. Wait. I mean, it definitely there is like a, a Lion King moment in the very beginning, but it is storming and raining. I think I just got stuck on the whole Lion King sun. I mean, it was, it was a nice touch, but it is stormy and raining. So Izzy comes up behind George and pats him on the back saying, wouldn't it just be easier to ask her out? He makes his way back down the hall and we see Meredith still laying in bed and she hits her alarm again. George and Izzy are getting ready to leave for the day. George says that Meredith is going to be late. Izzy says, maybe not. And George insists that they should wait for her. But Izzy is just not having it. She keeps saying, I am not her mother and you are not her boyfriend, which I find 
very rich coming from Izzy whenever Izzy acts like a child and Meredith has to act like her mother throughout the entire series. Like, it's amazing. True, true, true. I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Izzy starts heckling George about asking Meredith out, asking him if he really wants to die before asking her out, which sad emoji that's story for a different day <laughs> and i wrote is this foreshadow question 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 sad george insists that he does not want to ask her out lies lies <sighs> is like he asks him if he really wants to die a liar and he says i'm not dying again sad face emoji <laughs> is this a coincidence that they're like talking about so much death with poor George. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't love it. <laughs> no, me either. But anyways. Next, we see Meredith in the parking lot at the hospital, who does indeed seem to be running late. She's grabbing things out of the passenger side of her car, and Derek pulls into the parking spot next to her. She tells him that she is running late, and he starts in right away, saying that she is avoiding him. And she replies, Yes. He wants to talk about this, air quotes, referring to their hookup, which Bailey witnessed. Meredith says that she doesn't need to talk about it. She experienced it naked. I love this part. Um, I will say I do have in my notes that I don't remember the scene at all. For those many times that I've watched this episode, I don't remember the scene. Yeah, I, I don't remember any of this. So it's all yeah. new to me. And this scene reminds me of me getting to work late-ish. Just like, stop talking, don't talk to me. Like, I'm just trying to get in here type of thing. Yep, yep. So I relate to Meredith and I can see her, how this could be humiliating. And, you know, I like how, okay, I'll I'll let you finish because there's a point I want to make about Derek Shepard and Preston Berg when we get there. Okay, I only have three, three dots. Derek says that this is all getting complicating, to which Meredith replies, complicated for me, because again, she is the intern sleeping with the attending. She reveals that Bailey isn't speaking to her anymore, and Derek says, not that that's a bad thing. Again, he is making light of a very serious problem. Yeah. Derek says that if he were a better guy, he would walk away and asks Meredith if that's what she wants, and she says yes, but quickly backtracks and says no. And I wrote, Shonda, 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 if you know, you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess. We all know I don't love Derek Shepard. I know, I mean, but I he, guess. He, he could walk away and he should for what's coming. So this is interesting. True. So this next scene is a doozy. <laughs> we see our favorite intern christina pulling up her pants in what seems to be a lab closet storage area with our least favorite burke right there with her it is very obvious what has just happened burke is getting dressed and asks if they should talk about this and christina very sarcastically says yeah definitely and then leaves the room my comment tell me I love how Shonda 
in all the movies, it's always a girl that wants to talk. We need, are we going to talk about it? Are we going to talk about it? Right? Like in all the movies and any like reality TV show, whatever. Right. But yeah. Shonda in this show puts all the male, like Derek Shepard and Preston Berg, which are very powerful, egotistical surgeons wanting to label or ask or talk, which I thought was very interesting. That is so interesting. And I did not even think about that until you just said it. That is such an excellent point. Well, that's my job. So I love that because you're right in Hollywood. It's yeah. always like the females. Cause they're so emotional and overdramatic and always want to label things and are always like clingy and, and needy or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. That's such a great point. I mean, Shonda does think of everything now. And also, I want to note that uh, Burke looks like he belongs in the 70s with his attire. Yeah, I hate it. I mean, I don't find Burke attractive, but in this scene, he's especially unattractive. I'm not a fan. Not a fan. In the next scene, we see Christina flying into the intern's locker room. She is immediately greeted by Meredith, telling her that she's late, and Christina replies with, so are you. Meredith is chatting with Christina, asking her opinion on whether or not she thinks that Bailey told anyone about her and Derek's hookup. It's clear here that Meredith is starting to panic. She asks Christina what will happen to her if people find out, asking if she could get kicked out of the program, etc. Christina says she will just get edged out, blacklisted, banned from his surgeries, passed over for chief resident. Definitely not helping at all. <laughs> Two things. I think Christina's actually talking about herself. Christina's not my favorite in this episode. She's a yeah. shit friend in this episode. Yeah. I, I, her and Alex are my two least favorite people. And Meredith is very whiny in this episode. I mean, she was pretty whiny last episode. Yeah. So whiny Meredith, annoying Christina because she's like so feels like she's above everyone. Alex is an asshole. Um, Izzy, you don't even want to know what I think of her. And George is like a sad little lonely puppy. I honestly think in this episode, Izzy's probably my favorite. Not even Bailey. I didn't like Bailey this episode either. Did not like Bailey either. I like so. Richard because he doesn't show up. Well, I mean, it's Richard. How could you hate him? <laughs> So Meredith says, I have to end it. I definitely have to end it. And just keeps repeating this. And Christina tells Meredith to shut up. Like rolling my eyes. Yeah. Christina and Meredith are making their way through the hospital. Meredith asks if Christina really just told her to shut up. And our queen Christina's response is, oh, please. You got a hot doctor who likes to make you open up and say, ah, it's the American dream. Stop whining about it. Oh my God because she sees herself reflected in herself you know what I mean like she just sees right. Meredith and she's like oh that's me too right uh, but I, I liked this comeback I thought that it was hilarious I thought it was hypocritical well I mean she wasn't necessarily like being nasty about it she was saying the truth so the same is for her too she's living the American dream oh that's true yeah, it's true okay Meredith challenges this by saying no good can come from sleeping with your boss. Bailey and the other interns are coming down the hall and Christina and Meredith merge in. Bailey says, Christina, you're late. 
And she replies, so is Meredith. Bailey leads the interns into a patient's room. She tells them that in this room, they will maintain decorum. They will not laugh, vomit, or drop their jaws. And so we see a patient with an extremely large tumor on her side. Can we talk about the fact that Christina tried to throw Meredith under the bus and Bailey did not care and completely ignored her? Yep. Yep. So it is true. Bailey's not talking to her. She's not even acknowledging her. I know. She is being a total bitch. Yep. We see Alex greeting the patient whose name is Annie. And that's what I'll call her from here on out. Bailey jumps in to correct him on calling the patient Annie, stating that they call them Mr. etc. But Annie cuts her off and explains that she asked Alex to call her by her first name. Burke joins the interns and Bailey in Annie's room. He and Christina share a brief look. <laughs> the looks that those two are just constantly giving each other. It's the sexual tension. Yeah, like, how do they get anything done? They're always staring at each other. And how does Bailey not notice? Right? And also, can I note that Alex's behavior is, he's a really great actor, because he goes from being an asshole and, like, faking it, and to fake it while you're acting, I mean, that's talent, and you Mm -hmm. can tell he's faking it. Oh, yeah. Weirdest smile that it almost looks creepy. Yes. And I think it's because he's not used to feeling per se. (laughs) He has no idea what he's doing. Yeah. It was just weird. It was nice to see though, like how that would work and how to act like that. Alex tells Annie that Burke is an awesome surgeon, which that is up for debate. You know, we're only on uh, episode six here, but it's up for debate. (laughs) True. Alex is presenting to Burke and tells him that Annie is 43 and has been having shortness of breath for the past three months and that she has a very large tumor of unknown origin pressed against her diaphragm. I will note here that George looks like he's going to pass out or vomit or possibly both. And I will also note that Burke is wearing a very flowery cap. Um, Scrub cap. Mm. Very 70s. I missed that. I, I probably look too in, too much into the, what they were wearing, but anyways. <laughs> Alex states that he scheduled a CT for Annie. Burke asks Annie if she's claustrophobic and she replies that she has been housebound for the last year. So how claustrophobic could she be? He then tells Annie that Izzy is going to take her up to get a CT. Annie asks if someone could tell her mom where she is so she doesn't worry. And then Annie asks if it would be possible for Alex to take her up for the CT instead, stating that he's just so fun to look at. And Burke says, sure. I don't know how it's acceptable. But I don't find Alex attractive, though. No. I mean, not when he's an asshole. But no, even just the way his face looks. I just, I don't find him attractive. I feel like he looks just creepy this episode. Like later seasons, Alex, I absolutely find him attractive. But these early seasons, it's like, mm, I don't, I don't get the appeal. Yeah, he looks like he's, he's a murderer or something. Yeah, it's not, it's not good. No, no. George, Christina, Izzy, and Meredith are leaving Annie's room. They are talking about her tumor, asking how much each of them thinks it weighs. Christina says that this one is going in the books and she has got to get in. 
Izzy says that she almost did and then points out the fact that they haven't ever seen Alex act like that and it's almost like he's being sincere. Burke is passing the group and Christina stops him and says, I really want in on this. And Burke responds with a smug smile and says, I thought we weren't talking. But Burke tells her to go find Annie's mother, get her family history, and that he would tell Bailey. Well, 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 look who is getting favors from the boss. Exactly. I think that's why it's such a hard time with this episode after everything that unfolds in a little bit. Like, it's it's frustrating. Same. I, yes, same. We'll leave it at that until you go over it. (laughs) In the next scene, the interns are in a new patient's room whose name is Mr. Harper. So that's, I'll refer to him as that from now on. Izzy presents saying that he had a coronary bypass yesterday. He was having blood pressure complications, but has responded well to medication. George is staring almost longingly at Meredith over Mr. Harper's bed. And it's a little bit weird. It's I literally, a little weird. I literally, and I know people can't see this. Googly eyes. Googly oh, eyes. Yep. There it is. <laughs> like, let me catch your jaw and your drool, honey. Yeah, it's it's weird. God. Izzy states that he will need a chest x-ray, and Bailey says that he is doing fine and they leave the room. Not that I need to know every time that Izzy looks like a hot ball of grease, but she looks very disheveled and unbathed and I know she's working hard so I'm going to give her credit for that I'm not attacking her I'm just saying I mean I don't think she looked that bad oh it gets worse throughout the the, the episode well yes but for good reason okay yes I'll give you credit yes it's true it's true I'm not attacking her I'm just saying she's always the one that looks dirty no one else looks dirty well, George, George sometimes does. looks dirty. And so does Burke sometimes, though, too. Really? But you know what? So does Derek. I think that Derek looks dirty sometimes. But, like, Meredith never looks dirty. Christina never looks dirty. No. Bailey never looks dirty. Weber never looks dirty. Meredith does look dirty. When? Oh, she does look dirty. They make fun of her later on in the season. When they meet Thatcher, yes. She looks disheveled. She has like food in her hair. She's like careless. Yes. We'll bring it up whenever we go over that episode. Okay. Okay. Keep that in mind, folks. (laughs) We see Izzy and George walking down the stairs in the hospital. George is still trying to defend himself to Izzy, playing off that he doesn't like Meredith. Izzy totally does not believe him and is essentially just going along with whatever he's rambling on about. George is telling Izzy that he doesn't want her to mention anything about any of this to Meredith that it would be awkward because they live together and it would it would be awkward yes it would but but don't worry George Meredith doesn't see you I mean okay that's rude (laughs) it's the truth I know it's just (laughs) oh my god that was kind of mean Bailey and the interns enter a new patient room where Derek introduces the patient to them his name is Mr. Levanji awkward because meredith is there derek is there and bailey is there it was bailey is like bitch face like she has a bitch face shepherd looks smitten and meredith looks like i guess smitten too right or like puppy eye smitten yeah yeah so weird oh and george smitten 
Yeah. And it is complete silence. And Bailey, I think that Bailey looks pissed. Like she looks pissed. <laughs> she looks like how I look on a normal day. Oh, stop it. Stop. George presents a stating that Mr. Lavangi is a 63 year old man admitted for pain management for dyskinesia. Mm-hmm. Did you, do you have something to say about that? I do. It is an uncontrolled involuntary movement that may occur with long-term levodopa use and longer time with Parkinson's. Um, I also note that not everyone will develop this complication and dyskinesia varies. And I did look up um, a couple of things. So apparently it's fidgeting, wriggling, head bobbing, or body swaying. Um, And it's usually often related to Parkinson's symptoms. Feeling stressed or excited can also bring this up front. And um, it can interfere with exercise or social or daily activities. And I did find this on the Michael J. Fox Foundation website. I also found some treatments for it. Okay. Um, so it's levodopia, so the timing or dosage of it, switching to a different formulation, adding amantadine, sorry, medical folks, and um, it is prior to the, God, this is so hard to say. I should have probably practiced this, but um, I'm not going to mention that one because I'm going to mess it up, but it is saying that DBS or uh, deep brain simulation is a surgical procedure that can also be used to solve the issue. So, which is, which does come up. Okay. That was a lot of information. I had most of the same stuff written down, but I wanted you and your little, your little research tidbits. I like to research. George says that Mr. Lavangi has been stable since last night and is responding well to the bolus injections. Bailey asks Izzy what treatments are available and she starts to suggest treatments for Parkinson's and Derek quickly corrects her and says not for Parkinson's, for spinal pain. Which a bolus injection, sorry to cut you off, is essentially 20 to 30 milliliters of epidural saline. Um, And it's usually... um, presented in a catheter which I did not know and it basically is universal relief oh can you imagine having pain and then all of a sudden it's like I know that'd be nice I know I thought of you I was like can that be possible is that possible but no sorry (laughs) I did think of you when I saw that Meredith chimes in and says intraspinal catheter. So that way he can have constant pain medication. Derek says, excellent. And introduces Meredith to the patient and explains that she is going to be the one to prep him for the surge for the procedure and assist everyone, including Bailey looks pissed. Yeah. I was going to go into it, but you know what? We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. She She looks looks like she's about to murder someone. Yes, that's actually a better description. (laughs) So Derek gets a page and leaves the room. Bailey tells the interns to make themselves busy and that she will catch up to them. We see Derek on a full elevator and Bailey sneaks out from behind him after everyone else clears out. She looks like she's about to murder him. Yeah, she does. She looks super creepy. Like she literally just like sneaks out behind him. I mean, I did giggle because it was kind of cute, but... Yeah, I'll have no fury like Bailey. 
Yeah. Tell me about it. Bailey starts laying into Derek, saying that she will not just sit back and watch while he favors her, meaning Meredith. Derek is quick to defend himself, saying that he doesn't favor her, that she's good. And I will say here that I agree. I don't think that Derek was favoring Meredith in this instance. She was the only one who knew the answer to the question that he was asking. If Izzy would have responded with the same thing, he would have picked her. Yeah, because wasn't she just looking through her notes and couldn't get it and everyone just kind of staring? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Give her credit, Bailey. I think in this episode, we're going to remove the queen or actually she's still a boss. Yeah, she's still a queen. We'll just, we'll just leave it because she's still a queen. Yeah, she's a bad boss, bitch. Yeah, she is. Bailey says, yeah, I'm sure she is. And she tries to walk off the elevator. Derek stops her, telling her yet again that he is her boss. And she turns around and says, you don't scare me and then proceeds to tell him that she will not tell anyone about his and Meredith's extracurricular affairs. However, the next time she sees him favoring Meredith, she will make sure Meredith doesn't see the inside of an OR for a month just for the sake of balance. And again, it irritates me because the intern, the low ranking person on the totem pole is the one who would get punished for this. Yes, and I did put down there, she brought the thunder, which is a Grey's reference for later. Oh. Brought the thunder? I don't remember that. Calliope? Oh. That's all I'm going to say. I love you, Calliope. That's all I'm going to say. But yes, I think she, she, I think it's wrong that Meredith gets in trouble when Derek is the one that is the boss, you know, he should be he should be the one that should be reprimanded. Not Absolutely. Her. Couldn't agree more. Okay. Well, life sucks. <laughs> In the next scene, we see Alex standing with Annie outside of the CT machine. Alex is being very sweet and reassuring her, going over everything that is going to happen. He lets her know that there is a microphone with her in there, that if she gets scared or needs to get out for any reason, and that he will be waiting for her right on the other side of the glass. I'm not going to lie to you. I had to pause this part. It was so cringy to watch. I was nervous for him, nervous for her. It was hard to watch. Wait, why? Because of what happens next. Well, right. I felt so bad for her and I hated hated him because in this scene, more so than the scene where they're in her room, you can tell more that he's like faking it and not being genuine (sighs) here. So it was hard to watch. I had to pause it. (laughs) It was hard to watch for her because she like looks like she's about to like ball. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? Right. Alex notices that his pager battery is dying and asks the doctor if he has a spare one. And the doctor responds with no. Alex and the other doctor are waiting in the next room and they're talking about the tumor as the scans begin to appear. What they don't know is that the microphone is turned on and Annie can hear everything that they're saying. Alex says some nasty things. Like, how does a person let it get like that? That's a whole lot of nasty. 
The other doctor chimes in and says, maybe she's afraid of doctors. And he says, poor thing. And Alex says, poor thing, please. If you're afraid of doctors, take a pill that she is just sick, like warped next saying, seriously, I don't know how she lives with herself. And he starts laughing, laughing and making kind of an ew expression. I have a hard time with Alex in the scene. I do too, especially because I personally am afraid of doctors after everything that I went through. So I put it off as long as possible. And I know that someday it's going to bite me in the ass and like to, to be just grossed out by her for letting this go so long is just not okay. Mexicans don't go to the doctor. Is that why I'm always like yelling at you? Like you need to go to the doctor. You should get that checked out. You should call the doctor. Yes. We don't go to the doctor. We do like, we try to fix it ourselves, but you would, you were proud of me this summer. I did go to get all my stuff fixed out, fixed, figured out and well, not necessarily fixed, but I'm all good. I still have to go to the dentist and that's another thing. You need to do that. I know, but we don't do it. I will say we don't do it. So I understand Annie, you know, I understand her completely. I get it that like, how can she get it? So I guess as a doctor, you probably think like, why would you wait so long? But it's like, why, why wouldn't I, if you're judging me? Exactly. Exactly. Because that's, part of the reason why I'm afraid to go is because it's just the judgment that so many doctors pass for talking to you for 10 minutes. They know nothing else about you, but they will judge that, that 10 minute conversation. It's upsetting. I I hope, and I I really do hope this, the new generation of doctors, and I know a few, one, (laughs) I know a few, one, (laughs) he know who he, he knows who he is. I do think that it will get, but I think there is a new generation. I think a lot of the doctors, it's kind of like teaching, right? A lot of the older teachers need to go. And then we have a new generation that hopefully understands a little bit more about trauma, human body, you know, and all those things. So I do have hope is all I'm going to say. Hope. At least with, with my, with the person I'm talking about. Yeah. I, I do agree that like, the older generation of doctors tend to be the worst. However, my favorite doctor in Virginia, he's old as dirt and I adore him. And he is literally the best doctor that I have ever had in my entire Aww, life. Shout out to that doctor in Virginia. His, we'll name's, Do- his name's Dr. Cushman. And I just called him the Cush and I just love him. He was so great. And I bet you he won't listen to this, but no. if he ever does... No, Uh, he needs to know the impact that he had on me and my life. I think he knows because whenever I moved, I made it very clear to him. Oh, did you cry? I didn't cry in the office with him. I cried in the office with my clinical psychologist over leaving (laughs) and then at home. I'm, I'm proud that you didn't cry in front of him though. I know. I, I, I do hold it together sometimes. Don't. Don't think that I just am out here crying all the time because there are times when I hold it together. You would never know, but. That's true. That's true. Good for you. Good. Proud of you. 
In the next scene, Christina has found Annie's mother. She's giving Christina a little bit of info on Annie saying that at first they just thought that she was putting on a little extra weight, that she tried to get Annie to go to a doctor, but she was too scared and that the bigger it got, the less that she wanted to go saying that Annie never really felt all that sick until last night. Christina seems to be judgmental of the way that Annie's mother handled things. Her mother stated that she called 911 the night before because it seemed like the right thing to do. And Christina replies that the right thing to do would have been to call a year ago. Oh my God, these, uh, the judgment of these doctors are soon mm-hmm. to be. Yep, I was very disappointed here because again how long has christina known this person five a five minute conversation and And she's only in on it because of the favor for uh on behalf of berg Mm -hmm. yep Mm -hmm. yeah back with meredith and mr lavangi she lets him know that she is going to get him more comfortable she leaves the room and mr lavangi's daughter stops her She lets Meredith know that her dad seems to like her, that he's always liked skinny blondes. Bless his heart. (laughs) She apologizes right away and says that she is so tired. And then she asks Meredith if she could talk to her dad about brain surgery. The daughter says that the doctor, the other doctor, which is Dr. Shepard, suggested it and that it could help most of his symptoms, not just his pain, And that he is a candidate, but he's afraid of it. The daughter states that he really has no quality of life and it keeps getting worse. She reveals that she's getting married next month and that she already lost her mom. She says that she wants her dad to walk her down the aisle. The daughter tells Meredith that she doesn't know what it's like to have a parent to watch him. But Meredith cuts her off and says, I do. And Meredith agrees to help and says that she will see what she can do. (sighs) What goes out to Meredith? I mean, you can tell she's thinking of her mom. Yeah. And the burden of having a sick... I, I don't want to call it a burden, but... But weren't we a burden when we were kids? Yes, 100%. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, in my eyes, anyway. Okay. Yeah, I feel bad. Because I, I, I think she actually relates to the daughter on a deeper level, especially with the conversations with the patient and trying to vocalize her concerns for him and right and not only is it hitting home because of her mom being in kind of a similar state but she also doesn't have a relationship with her father either so I'm sure it's hard for her to like sit and watch this patient struggling for her father to get better yeah you know it's just sad on all fronts and I will say she is a very good doctor to this particular patient yes oh yeah yeah, I cried I mean we're not surprised but I cried we are not surprised we are not surprised (laughs) so in the next scene bailey burke and shepherd are all in a room looking over the the tumor scans from annie derek says that he needs to operate first because the tumor has surrounded her spinal cord burke cuts in and says that he needs to go first with operating from the front Derek says no because if he missteps she is paralyzed and Burke says that if he doesn't relieve the pressure on her lungs she will be dead so she won't mind if she can't walk love that Mm. it's like you wonder what your doctors say about you when you're not around like oh 
Okay. Well, I'm not really surprised about Preston and Derek. I'm more surprised about about Bailey. Well, yes. Go ahead. So Bailey asks, do you really think that she wants to live? She's been housebound just watching the thing grow. But Annie doesn't seem stupid and she doesn't even seem all that scared. Why would anyone wait this long unless they wanted to die? And she's the one that lectured the interns about making sure that you don't vomit, decorum. Like, mm-hmm. like what are you yeah. doing, Bailey? You sound like a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Or, you don't sound, yeah. you are. Yeah, yeah. Bailey is a hypocrite, but we love her. <laughs> we love her, but I do not like her right now. No, 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 no. This episode was, no. Yeah. Then, then Bailey asks what the chances are of Annie surviving the surgery. And Burke says only slightly better than if they did nothing. Bailey wants to know if it's even worth it. And Burke says Annie is only 43. So it's worth a try. Is it worth it? Right. Oh my God. Like again, if the patient would have came right out and said, I don't want to do this, then have this conversation. But like the patient is there to get help. Like it's not Bailey's choice, whether it's worth it or not. It's the patient's choice. She surprises me in this episode for sure. Mm -hmm. I'm a little, I'm a little shocked by her behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (sighs) And then what happens? As the three of them leave the room, Meredith is waiting for Derek for once, because normally it's Derek, you know, stalking Meredith around the hospital. Okay, he does not stalk her. Oh, no, lies. He stalks her. I'm going to put a post on, on Instagram. Do you think Shepard stalks Meredith? And I want to know and, what the people think. And I am not saying that that's a bad thing. In a TV show, a book, etc. In real life, that's a bad thing. I think I kind of stalked my husband before he was my husband. I mean, I did too. I remember after the first time, my husband and I were like, we dated for two weeks and then he broke up with me. And this was whenever Farmville was a really big thing on Facebook. I sat outside of his apartment on my laptop using his internet because mine was super slow to harvest my crops on Farmville. (laughs) oh my god the more you know I am dying like people can't see me but I was really like yeah she was like her head was on the desk but like for real I needed to get shit done in Farmville and my internet was trash so I just pulled up outside of his apartment and logged into his wi-fi while he was at work and (laughs) you're the stalker I didn't mean I stalked that much I mean, I didn't care what he was doing. I just needed his internet. <laughs> and you're the McDreamy now. I'm going to call you Don't McDreamy you now. dare. Oh, I forgot that you don't like him that much. I really don't. Not at all. It's amazing that all of my like favorite characters, like my comfort characters don't come in until like much later. Not that much later. We're almost there. We're almost there. Well, that's just the first one. My other yeah. ones don't come in till much that's later. True. That's true. All right, Stalker, what happens next in this episode? So Meredith stops Derek to talk to him about Mr. Lavangie and Bailey is hovering. She's like back behind Meredith. 
Macbeth, and she's watching their interaction. Meredith says that it is worth talking to him about the possibility of surgery again. And Derek says that the surgery is performed while the patient is wide awake and that there is risk of paralysis, a risk of death. And Mr. Lavangi doesn't want it. He is being very forceful here and tells her that since she is uncomfortable with his decision, it's probably best that she doesn't scrub in. That it is a minor procedure and she won't be missed. I know he's rude to her. Two things. Bailey reminds me of my mother. Bless her heart. I love her. Whenever like they would not allow my boyfriends inside the home, I would have to talk to them outside the home because we're Mexican strict parents. But yeah, my parents let me party till like 4 a.m. They'll never hear this, so it's okay. Um, And she would, I swear to you, she would like peek outside. Like she'll peek through like the blinds and like make sure I was not making out with my boyfriends. So Bailey reminds me of my mother in that sense. And two, I know you're not supposed to like make dreamy when he's being an asshole, but yes, baby talk See? to me like that yes okay so i'm not the only weird one because i liked him in this scene but then again my favorite color is morally gray like yell at me call me names make me feel like shit that's like my favorite thing <laughs> so toxic so toxic but you like toxic imaginary characters I yes know toxic yeah, yeah. fictional men my yes. husband is an absolute angel he's never raised his voice to me one time i've seen him get angry twice in the over 10 years that we've been together he's an angel (laughs) yeah yeah fictional though fictional (laughs) meredith looks visibly hurt here and she walks away derek looks at bailey and says you know they call you the nazi and bailey replies so i've heard (laughs) hashtag badass I think that she's just embracing it at this point. She's on a power trip. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think that's why she acted that way in the room with Burke and Shepard. Like she just is embracing this just weird, badass attitude. Like not her normal badass attitude. Yeah. Like she's a resident. Am I right? Yes talking to attendees like this right yeah Mm -hmm. okay shit if i talk to my bosses like that right i I mean the amount of disrespect in the 17 seasons that this show has been on so far like and now you're unemployed (laughs) right for real though like i don't understand i mean obviously it's like fictional but like right right still like watch somebody like get the courage after watching an episode of Grey's Anatomy to go in and let their boss have it and they get fired <laughs> like I it, it you know I mean I worked at a grocery store and I didn't even do that I did do some pretty bad things but we won't talk about that online I'm, I got excited okay if it's relatable I'll mention it Okay. Well, okay. I look forward to it because I didn't even know that you worked at a grocery store. So this is all news to me. So oh, I did. I did. My boss that had one boss that was like really mean, like Bailey, but I was scared of her, like Meredith. Oh. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I'd be scared of Bailey. So what I did was to remedy it, she would leave at five, right? And I had the night shift. 
And so I made my other friend bring me alcohol on the job. And that way I would like, my anxiety wouldn't be so high, but then she would leave and then I would just get drunk. While you were working. I mean, you put me the only young adult from like six, sorry, 4 p.m. to midnight. Yeah, I'm going to drink on a Saturday. What no. were you doing? Wait, wait, wait. What was your job in the grocery store? I was a cashier. And you were drinking. I mean, okay, I started off as a bagger and I was drinking and then moved on to cashier. But sometimes cashiers didn't have a lot of clients, like customers. So like I would go put some stuff back on the shelf. And one time my boss was like, oh, Veronica, you like sound so drunk. And I'm like, I am. And she's like, ha ha ha. And I'm like, and I, my friend was working at the front desk and she just laughed with me. I hope she's hearing this. She's on our, oh, by the way, folks, if you follow us on Instagram and Twitter, we now have a Facebook yes. group that you can join. And my friend's in that group and she knows what I'm talking about. Oh my God. Okay. I had no idea, but also that's interesting that you were like a, uh, like working directly with the public. Like you weren't stocking shelves and you were drunk. I like it. I didn't stock shelves. I just threw the shit back on the shelf and hope that it was in the right place. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like if you were if, like, if that was your job, okay. Getting drunk, but no, you were like face to face with like customers, like taking money. <laughs> Oh, it was the worst time of my life and the best. Oh. I love that job and I hated it at the same time. I have jobs I feel that way about. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> sorry for that. So the next scene, Burke and Alex are in Annie's room updating her on the scan results. Burke tells her that the surgery will be long and difficult, but they have an extremely capable surgical team. Annie asks point blank, am I going to die? And Burke lets her know that there's always the risk, but if they don't do the surgery and yes. Annie cuts in and finishes, I'll definitely die. Yes. 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 And Burke replies with yes. And she asks soon. And Burke says, yes. Where did you go? You like disappeared out of the frame. I'm like, where the fuck is she? I was laughing because I'm not laughing that she's going to die. I'm just laughing because she's like, am I going to die? And it's like, well, I mean, at the same time, I don't want to be judgmental, but like, yeah, like probably it's a big ass fucking tumor. Like, yes, yes, there's a risk for surgery. Yes, you could possibly die. It could be like a tooth extraction and you can possibly die, which is why I hate general anesthesia because I always feel like I'm going to die there's my rant. I mean, I made it out. Okay. I had like surgeries and stuff. I did. All right. I mean, I had my wisdom teeth pulled out with general anesthesia. I mean, yeah, I had that. I also had my tonsils out and I had pyloric stenosis as a baby and I had to do surgery whenever I was just a couple months old. <laughs> I'm still alive. <laughs> I'm thankful you Barely. were here. No, no, I'm thankful you were here. Thankful you're here. So but we see Annie's mom and she has been tucking in the corners of the bed sheets and just overall tidying the room. Mm -hmm. Annie is visibly annoyed by this and yells at her that the room is clean. 
Her mom addresses Burke and tells him that she will have the surgery. Annie is mad about this, but sighs and says, I guess I'll have the surgery. Burke lets her know that this is a very wise decision. And Annie looks at Burke and says that she doesn't want Alex in the room. Alex looks shocked and asks if he has upset her in some way. And she simply says that if he is in the surgery, she's not having it. And then she looks to him and says, that's how I live with myself. And Alex nods in understanding. Take that bitch. Yep. Oh yeah. I was, I loved the, that's how I live with myself. I loved that. Yeah. Burke and Alex leave Annie's room and Burke asks Alex what he did. (laughs) Alex starts denying everything, saying that he doesn't know. Alex then admits that the mic must have been turned on when he was talking to the other doctor while Annie was getting the CT. Burke lets him know that if anything goes wrong, he is 60% more likely to be sued if he offended the patient. Alex justifies this behavior with, if I knew the mic was on, I wouldn't have said that stuff. And the mic shouldn't have been on. Maybe you shouldn't say that, period. Hmm. Yeah. Burke tells him that he is banned from the OR all week. Christina comes up then letting Burke know that she got the history from Annie's mother and that the tumor has been growing for a year and a half. Christina scoffs and says that this is the first time she's having it looked at after a year and a half. It's like she's fatally lazy. I hated this. I hated it. Christina. Yep. I hated it. I was so mad. I was so mad. All right. What happens next? Does she get to scrubbing? Burke sighs and walks off and Alex says, why doesn't she get banned? Burke stops George in the hallway and tells him to go prep Annie for her surgery and that he is scrubbing in with Christina. I agree. Alex has a point. Exactly. Just because the patient didn't hear her doesn't mean that what she's saying is okay. But who's sleeping with the boss for favors? Mm -hmm. Yep. We see George in Annie's room. He's giving her a rundown of the whole process, everything that's going to happen before and during surgery. George is taking Annie's blood and he is trying to talk to her and reassure her about the surgery. Annie calls him a kitten and tells him that it's okay and he can just do his job, that he doesn't have to talk to the fat, nasty tumor lady. I hate this because Me too. She, now she doesn't believe George and George really does mean it like he really does care for his patients like I think you were right um last week's episode where he should have been a nurse I think that's absolutely true I think he does well would do a lot better if he had been a nurse yeah I think so I I his bedside manner is so good yeah George flat out asks her why she let it get that bad And Annie looks genuinely shocked and says that he is the first person to ask her that since she's been there, which is also really sad. Like, that's sad. And it's a legitimate question. Like, he's trying to figure it out. Like, why did you? He wants to know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So sad. She opens up to George and tells him that every time she went to the hospital, someone died. A lot of her family members were those people saying that they all went in and never came out. So she put it off. 
George lets her know that she is not the only one to put things off. This is, yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Comic relief. And then he starts telling her that he doesn't do things until the last possible minute. And he starts rambling about how he has had a thing for his roommate, Meredith, since day one. And that he just can't tell her going on and on about how she probably wouldn't go out with him anyway. He then comes to the realization that he doesn't know that for sure if he never asks. And Annie looks at him unamused and says, seriously, you're equating your pathetic love life to my record-breaking tumor. Poor George is trying to relate to her. Oh my God, there's a huge difference between him being a pussy and her fucking tumor. I mean, to be fair, she had some sort of PTSD. Right. You know, but he was just trying to relate to her. He's just doing his best. No, I didn't think that that conversation was appropriate. He started out really strong. Agree to disagree. Okay, I like it. Okay. Okay. In the next scene, we see uh, Meredith and Christina chatting over lunch. Meredith is confused because she says that Derek blatantly favors her in front of Bailey, but then just blatantly dismisses her. Christina, Which, to be fair, is very confusing. It is because it is either like him favoring her or him dismissing her. And there's just, and I would find that hard to keep up with. Like, yeah, too complicated. Christina is reassuring Meredith that she is good and she got into this program and just because Shepard likes to munch her cookies doesn't mean that she doesn't doesn't deserve what she worked for. Preach Christina. But she's only saying that because her own cooking is being munched on by Preston. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't think she would say that. Otherwise... I true. think Christina would tease her about it. That is very, very, very true. Mm-hmm. Meredith says that Derek is making her look bad and she needs to just end it. And Christina nods along with her, not believing a word. <laughs> Alex approaches them and asks Christina if it's true that she got to scrub it on the tumor. Christina looks at him and says, don't sit here. Izzy comes up and asks how psyched Christina is to scrub in. Alex says he thinks that Burke just wants into Christina's scrubs. Yes. You called it, Alex. He's pissed because he got kicked off the case for the same stuff that Christina Mm -hmm. does every day. Mm -hmm. Christina holds up her plastic fork and asks if she would get in trouble if she stuck it in Alex's thigh. George joins in and asks Meredith if everything is okay. She replies that Shepard is a jackass. And Izzy quickly says, really? I think he's kind of great. (laughs) I think that was very bitchy of her to say. Which one? being a bitch. Izzy. Why? She doesn't know the context of which Meredith thinks that he's being a jackass. Because Izzy is being clueless about it. But she's like, really? Like, I don't know. It was like, shut up, bitch. Sorry, but I don't know if I'm a big fan of her yet. 
George uses this window of opportunity to not so slyly ask Meredith out, but disguises it as inviting everyone else. Meredith isn't really responsive to this. She gets a page and she leaves the table. Izzy, Christina, and Alex are all just laughing and making fun of him. Yeah, and Meredith is clueless and he is so awkward and it's cringy to watch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's all we're going to leave it as. So we see Derek going into Mr. Levangie's room back on him. He's checking him over when Meredith enters and asks if he paged her. Derek acknowledges her and then asks Mr. Levangie if he's given any more thought to the surgery. Mr. Levangie says that he already told him no, and he gets very upset, saying all they want to do is cut, and that cutting into his back just wasn't enough for them. I just want to know that this part breaks my heart. It breaks my heart too. And it was sad because I had it on this morning while I was getting ready. And this whole part where Mr. Lavangie is just getting angry, it reminds me of my dad because it's very like sly undertones of like cockiness and arrogance. And it reminds me of my dad and how he reacts. And I could totally see him acting exactly like this. So, yeah. So Shepard lets him know that there is a very small window of opportunity, telling him that once the Parkinson's develops into dementia, he will no longer be a candidate for the surgery. And Mr. Levangie gets irate and starts getting very cocky. Derek leaves the room and Meredith is there when Mr. Levangie's daughter tells him that he is being unreasonable and that the doctors are just trying to help him. But he says that this is his damn life, his damn brain. He tells his daughter that he will be at her wedding. He will sit in the back and that her uncle will walk her down the aisle. And the daughter leaves the room upset. Mr. Levangie looks at Meredith and asks why his daughter is acting like this if she knows that it's his life, his decision. And Meredith looks like she's not going to say anything, but then she does say, it is your life, but it's her life too. And that he has a chance to get better. And all she's asking you to do is try. Because she sees herself in Mr. Lavangie's daughter and knows that Alice's life affects her every which way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> Breaks my heart. Next, we see Christina and George, and they're scrubbing in on Annie's surgery. They're chatting in the scrub room, and Christina tells George that if they pull this off, she is totally calling it Oprah. I don't know if she means the tumor is she calling the tumor oprah no i think she's calling oprah oh because i my um well my um little captions on the tv aren't that great again because whenever weber talks it labels it as burke but um i it said it oprah so maybe she just said she's calling oprah that would make more sense yeah that's what i thought okay my my closed captioning is not not great (laughs) bailey and shepherd enter the scrub room bailey asks them if they have been working out and george bless him starts letting her know that he tries and he takes the stairs as often as he can and christina the adult asks why bailey tells them that they will be retracting the 60 pound tumor for the next 14 hours (laughs) no um, I did want to point out that I did find my little research. I wanted to know if this was actually a big tumor. So according to BBC News, the largest tumor removed intact 
was a multi-cystic mass of the right ovary weighing 303 pounds and it was performed by professor Catherine o'hanlon of stanford university medical center in 1991 so much that the patient weighed about 210 pounds after the uh, operation um but i also found that that wasn't the biggest essentially um tumor there's another well, that was the biggest Holy shit. Largest tumor removed intact. That's actually in a Guinness World Records. There were other tumors removed that were quite large as well. Um, one in 2018 and one in India that was about 54 kilograms, which is, I think, 119 pounds. It was also an ovarian tumor. So this is real. This does happen. Holy shit. And they're ovarian tumors. Like, that's fucking nuts. I know. Women are so strong. And I don't say this because I'm a woman, but like, holy shit. Most of my research was ovarian tumors were the ones that were the largest. Holy shit. That is crazy. I mean, 210 pounds? That is, that, I... Wow. Well, no, no, no. 303 pounds. The patient weighed 210 pounds after the surgery, which is insane. 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 Anyways, that was my little research I did. Oh my God. I would have never guessed. And this is why I love Grey's Anatomy because I love the drama and I hope many relate. I love the drama. I do. But some of these medical situations that occur throughout the seasons I know they're based off of real life medical situations so this is why I love grace because I'm like I know there's something like that out there in the internet sure enough sure enough I would have never guessed that they that the that somebody could carry around a tumor that large yeah and wow. there are several articles about it. Obviously, the 303 pound one is the, and being intact, like they didn't even like intact. Anyways, fun fact. Damn. So Meredith opens up the door and lets Derek know that Mr. Lavangie has agreed to do the surgery if they can do it today. Derek is stunned at this news and Burke tells him that he will page him when they get to Annie's spine. Derek leaves the scrub room and looks to Meredith and says, let's do it. Meredith hesitates here with Bailey still in the room. So she enters and tells Bailey that when she met Derek, she didn't know that he was her boss. And Bailey says that she doesn't care. Bailey says that this right here, meaning this conversation is the problem with Meredith sleeping with her boss, not whether or not she knew him before but how it affects her day and that them standing there talking about Meredith's sex life affects her day. And that the longer that this little fling goes on, the more favors Meredith gets over the others who are fighting tooth and nail just to make it through this program without any assistance. When those people start finding out what's going on and they don't want to work with her or talk to her or look at her and they start bitching and moaning at her, the more it affects her day. Bailey ends the conversation there and Meredith leaves the room. I do need to ask, how do we feel about this? 
I think that part of it is like real. Like I, I, I agree with Bailey being upset because it will affect her in some way, even if, you know, it's unintentional. But again, I feel like this needs to be discussed with Shepard, not with Meredith. Like we see next Alex and Izzy walking down the hall. Alex says, this sucks. And Izzy replies, yeah, well, I'm not a real fan of yours either. Alex clarifies, not you, this. Everyone else is scrubbed in somewhere. Izzy, forever the optimist, says that at least they have the run of the whole floor. And then Alex not forever the douchebag asks Izzy if she wants to do it in the stairwell and then he abruptly gets puked on by a patient in the hallway yeah and that is my favorite part yes well I mean not well, mine because again I, I like panicked I know because I, know. I I don't remember a lot of these early episodes so I, I can't see it coming so like I like panic I'd like I hit pause and had to like calm down because I start freaking out like it's bad i forgot what is it called again because i don't it's called emetophobia emetophobia yeah yeah it's not a good time sorry if i make like puking noises and it makes you puke uh no because i will just simply end the call (laughs) i will just simply end the call like i remember being at my friend's house and she has kids and her daughter came into the room and was like, I don't feel so good. And she started projectile vomiting. And my friend looked at me and started screaming, Ryan, Courtney, run. And I literally ran out of her house. I mean, I text her later to make sure that her kid was okay, but like, I cannot deal with that at all. Oh man. Yeah. It's bad. <laughs> the more, you know, I did not know that about you until that episode. So that's crazy because I try and make it known to a lot of people because some people get offended because I'm a naturally introverted person to begin with. I like to be alone, but over like the colder months, I'm extremely introverted. And it's because of the flu season, stomach bugs, stomach virus. I very, very rarely leave my house. I hate the cold winter months for that reason. And so I'm not as apt to like hang out with people especially people Mm -hmm. who have kids and again no offense to those people who have kids but I just for myself I just can't risk it because my anxiety spikes it's a whole thing news to me (laughs) so next it turns to Christina and George and they are um scrubbed in on Annie's surgery with Bailey and Burke George is complaining of his back killing him We see Izzy showing Mrs. Harper from earlier, whose husband had the coronary bypass. Izzy lets her know that Mr. Harper should be home in no time. And Mrs. Harper tells Izzy that Mr. Harper was making waffles and then he was just on the floor. Izzy wants to stay and listen, but she is called away, asking the nurse to page Alex. But the nurse said he tried and that he's not answering because from the, uh, scene where he's in the ct with annie we learned that his pager battery was dying slash dead mm-hmm. so we find alex in the locker room changing out of his puked on scrubs and he's being gross and hitting on all of the other interns okay it was like one other it's still gross he's it still is. gross like it's just gross 
he literally just asked Izzy if she wanted to do it in the stairwell. He's just, he's just gross. Can I tell you something? Did you have sex in the stairwell? No. If I was a guy, it probably would be Alex. Really? I'd definitely be George. (laughs) And I would make fun of you. Absolutely. Yeah. But tell me, tell me otherwise. Tell me if I was a male character on the show that I would not be George. No, you would be George. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And I would be Alex. Yes. I mean, it's better than being Preston Burke. No, I was going to say Shepard, but. No, Shepard is too needy. In like this season, yes. (sighs) We'll figure it out. And now we are to Derek and he's doing the surgery on Mr. Lavangie. And this is the scene that like makes me cry. I know, but this is the coolest medical part. Like it is, it is. It's beyond me. The, the medical, like, I I'm just like amazed. Like this made me so excited. It's amazing. What doctors and surgeons can do it's so crazy um so yeah this is this is the part where I cried and this also isn't last surgery that we will see in the series where the patient is fully awake while the surgery is happening but it's still just insane it's crazy but Mr. Lavangie has some uh, banter with Meredith and he asks her what she is doing in front of him, that she mm-hmm. can't see his brain from there. And shouldn't she be learning something? And then sweet, sweet Meredith says, I'm good right here and takes his hands. And I cried. I did get teary eyed because, well, I did. Get you, a fire sign, got teary eyed. I get teary eyed whenever he stops shaking. I, the whole, the whole, the whole Whenever, thing. like, he stops shaking and, like, his eyes are, like, like, I'm, like, oh, like, can you imagine involuntary shaking and all of a sudden you can actually control your movement? Mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes us as humans, we forget the basics and we forget how grateful we should be for, like, right. being able to walk without a problem, being able to speak without a problem, see, you know, all these things, sensory things. You know, because when you grow older, you do start to lose some right. of it. But this did, right. did, I did not cry. It did make me teary eyed. I sobbed. I know. <laughs> so Izzy is being whipped all around the hospital since all the surgeons on that floor are in the OR. I know that you're laughing, but that was seriously the only way that like I could describe it. Like she's literally just like being whipped back and forth between like everything. She's being like called in a million different directions. I am laughing. I mean, she looks like a hot mess, but she looks like she is a controlled hot mess. Right. Yeah. Right. And I was very proud of Izzy this, this Me episode. Me too. We see Alex go up to the gallery to watch Annie's surgery. We learn at this point, George and Christina have been holding the 60 pound tumor for eight hours and George slips and Burke flips out on him. Maybe he should strength train and not jog. Okay. Sorry. Poor George. I'm sorry. You would bully me. (laughs) I would. It's like, okay, you can jog like girl, like girl or boy or whatever your pronouns are like go strength train 
then you can pick up a tumor. Sorry. Back in the OR with Mr. Lavangi, a doctor is in front of him trying to get him to move his hands certain ways, which he can't do without spasming. And he gets very <laughs> upset. Derek finds the right spot and Mr. Lavangi is able to stop spasming and move his hands. And I got chills and I did cry <sighs> again. <laughs> After the surgery, Derek and Meredith are wheeling Mr. Lavangie to his room. Derek lets her know that Bailey was on the warpath earlier and that he was just trying to protect her. And Meredith lets him know that him protecting her is why Bailey was on the warpath. And she tells Derek that he can't do her favors. Derek gets paged and Meredith apologizes for calling him a jackass. And he responds with, you didn't. And she says, I did twice. <laughs> And Mr. Lavangi pipes in with, I'll tell you what, Blondie, if you don't marry him, I will. Oh, I thought that was so cute. Foreshadowing. Yep, 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 yep. We are back with poor Izzy, who is being paged, and she just looks really frazzled. We find Mr. Harper with his machines going off and nurses are trying to help him. Mrs. Harper is irate, screaming at Izzy and just making a huge scene. The nurse says that he has a huge clot and that paging someone will do no good, that Mr. Harper will be dead before anyone gets there. All the nurses are telling Izzy that she has to cut him open right now. And she says that she has never even seen this done before and that she could kill him. Izzy gets to work cutting. Uh, she just goes all in. She's cutting the uh, stitches and the staples and she's having trouble getting the clot out when she finally just says, screw it. And she uses her hand. <laughs> Sorry. Izzy gets the clot out and then starts massaging his heart, ultimately getting a pulse back. I'm laughing because as I did the vomit noise, I thought about you and then my dog's looking at me like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> judging, always judging. But I will say this part did make kind of gross me out. I, I, I sometimes wonder why I ever wanted to go into pre-med. I love it. I love blood, guts, gore, oh, organs. Okay. I love all of it. Okay. Well, I don't. And I'm like, oh my God, to think that I almost went into like pre-med to think. Yeah, it's probably a good thing you did not do that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so we see Derek arriving in Annie's OR and he begins the surgery. Meredith goes up to the gallery to watch and she sits down beside Alex, who is laughing and making fun of George. This upsets Meredith, and she asks him if he's really as shallow and callous as he seems. He playfully asks Meredith out for a drink, and she reveals that she is seeing someone. So we all know that it's not long before that starts circulating in Alex's hands. Uh-huh. Like. Izzy barges into the OR and lets the surgeons know about what happened with Mr. Harper, and she tells them that she had to open him up a bedside, and everybody is shocked. I love this part because everyone turns at the same time. They're like, whoa, you did what? Mm -hmm. Yep. So Burke leaves the surgery to go with Izzy. She runs into Alex and he screams at her saying, you opened a heart bedside and you couldn't even page me. It's then the dumbass Alex realizes that he forgot to change the battery in his pager. Izzy takes the pager, smashes it and stomps on it, calling him hateful. Obviously, all the doctors are hearing this, and Derek responds with mm -hmm. never a dull moment at Seattle Grace. And 
I have here, well, Dr. Shepard, we know your future and you are absolutely correct. And I will say, um, I don't know if the public notices, but I'm not really a big fan of Izzy, but this part, I, I do agree that Izzy is probably my favorite in this episode and she completely destroys Alex. I love her for it. Yes. Good job for setting boundaries and setting up for yourself. Exactly. At this moment, it seems he hits Annie's like, um, why can't words come out of my face? Your mouth. Your mouth, not face. My autocorrect on this fucking thing is irritating. And I've literally had to improvise so fucking much because autocorrect has everything all fucked up. Mine is like a super small font. So good luck to me. Okay. At this moment, it seems that Derek hit one of Annie's arteries and blood starts shooting out all over him. And Bailey says that the artery walls were just too weak and that nothing was cut. Alex is watching as this all unfolds horrified and he runs out of the scrub room. He meets a nurse in the hallway carrying blood for a transfusion for Annie and he grabs the blood and runs back to the OR, but it's too late and Derek has already called time of death. And Alex appears to be genuinely sad over this. Like, I think it finally has hit him. Yeah, and he was kind of like pushing for Annie, like see, like under his breath. He's like, "Come on, Annie, come on, Annie." And d- is that like an underground hallway? Because that did not look like part of the hospital. That looked like some underground tunnel where they. It's like- the basement, so that's probably where they keep the blood and thing- <sighs> things like that. It's probably a lot cooler down there, and it's probably just used for like storage and things. And to like probably run underneath um, the hospital and get yeah okay yeah we see Burke telling Izzy that her work on Mr. Harper was a mess and she apologizes saying that she's sorry but Burke tells her not to be that she saved his life which is good I was really really glad that Burke yeah. reacted the way he did here because mm-hmm. it could have gone either way well we know he does not like George right so I just yeah you just never know with him yeah Bailey and George go to break the news to Annie's mom that she has passed away during the surgery. This was just sad. I mean, nobody wants their child to die. And it's just, it was just sad. I I was surprised it didn't take her to a different room. Yeah, me too. Because like, if you're, if you know, you take your animal to the vet and they pass, like they take you into a different room, but in this hospital, they literally just tell you in, in the waiting room. No, but there is a scene or a couple of episodes where they like they are teaching how to like break the news and they uh-huh. do go to a separate room. So it's interesting that they don't apply it otherwise. all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Meredith is walking down the hall with Mr. Lavangie, which that was a great scene to see because he's walking and he's barely shaking and she hands him off to her daughter and they continue yeah. down the hall. Almost like a reflection of what would happen the next month with her walking down the Yes. Yeah. Yes. Christina is in an on-call room stretching after having to hold that tumor for so long. Burke comes in and tells her that he is not doing her any more favors, that this was it. He looks at Christina and asks, what is this? What are we doing? And Christina asks if he really needs a definition. And Burke tells her to lock the door. She likes 
someone telling her what to do that turns her on well obviously but also like he's standing right there she's laying on the bed and he tells her to get up and lock the door i will say this is one of the few times where she looks like shit yeah she she doesn't look good she's she, her eyes are swollen her face is swollen like and she does say like you think it, you did me any favors by holding a 50 pound tumor and i'm like okay you wanted to be a part of this she's not my right. favorite in this episode no. I, I will say she's not my favorite no no and they're about to do it sorry well yes i mean i feel like yeah we have to insinuate that they're about to do it because they yeah. don't like really come out and say it but lock the door. That uncalled room still looks weird. It does. Alex and George are leaving the hospital and George asks him if he's seen Meredith and Alex breaks the news to George that Meredith is off the market. George is shocked by this. We see George then knocking on Meredith's door with a bottle and two glasses, but she isn't home. He opens up the door and her bedroom is empty. I'm glad he chose alcohol and not coffee because coffee burned his body. Yeah. Yeah. He's. Yeah. This is the second time that we've seen him try and like go in Meredith's room this episode. It's a little weird. A little weird. Stalker. No. Well, oh my God. She has two stalkers. (laughs) So then we find Meredith and she's standing in the rain waiting for Derek to come out of the hospital. She tells him that she knows a place where there's an amazing view of the sunrise over the ferry boats, and she pulls out a bottle of wine. And Derek responds with, I have a thing for ferry boats. And Meredith says, I remember. And she gets in his car, and they drive away. I am just freezing thinking about her waiting for him outside of the rain, like, outside of the hospital in the rain. Like, that rain is cold, bitch. Like, why are you waiting for him? Have him wait for you. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but that is the end of the episode. Deliver us the end monologue. I sure will. Here we go. The early bird catches the worm. A stitch in time saves nine. He who hesitates is lost. We can't pretend we haven't been told. We've all heard the proverbs, heard the philosophers, heard our grandparents warning us about wasting time. Heard the damn poets about seizing the day. Still, sometimes we have to see for ourselves. We have to make our own mistakes. We have to learn our own lessons. We have to sweep today's possibility under tomorrow's rug until we can't anymore. Until we finally understand for ourselves what Benjamin Franklin meant. That knowing is better than wondering. That waking is better than sleeping. And that even the biggest failure, even the worst, most intractable mistake beats the hell out of never trying. I love it. I do like her closing and opening monologues. I think that it makes sense why she asked out um, Derek Shepard. Okay. She took the risk. She asked him out. She didn't wait. She didn't wait until tomorrow. She didn't wait until he asked her out. She's like, we're going to do it. We're going to watch the ferry boats and the sunrise. And that, my friends, was romantic. It was. That was a romantic gesture on her part. But again, it's like crazy to me to think that like they just went through all of that in the hospital with like Bailey and the both of them essentially getting into it with Bailey over this. And then she just goes and 
does it anyways. But that's what she says. It's all about making mistakes. We have to make our own mistakes. So she's willing to make that mistake because she likes him. And she's smitten. She's smitten. She really, really is. You can tell in in that ending scene, especially. She is very, very smitten. She sounds whiny still, but you know, I'll give her credit. I loved this episode. Yeah. I mean... It had a, it had its good parts. I think part of it, my frustration was with Christina Bailey. Yeah. I love Meredith and Shepard. I don't oh, care what God. you say. I'm telling you, I'm going to be so obnoxious whenever my guy gets here. Like you are going to be sick of me. I, you'll probably think to yourself, we should not do the podcast anymore. Oh no. Cause because I like him too. It's going to get real obnoxious. I like him too, though. I'm a two for one deal. Okay. Don't I mean, worry. John knows. Yeah, I feel like Randy. I mean, Randy knows that. Yeah, he knows. Final thoughts about Preston. Um, Trash. George. Meh. George needs to find a girlfriend. He needs to stop barking up the wrong tree. He he does, but I also don't think that it would make things any better. I mean, he's living with Meredith. He's gonna be so, he's gonna be around her constantly anyway. So I just don't I don't think that him having a girlfriend would make a difference. But he's like a stray dog, and I just want to like take care of him. He's just he's a baby. Is he? I was proud of her. Alex yes. douche. Yeah, this episode was um, very telling of Alex's character for the first couple seasons and yeah not a fan i will say though that scene with her with him and um meredith i i think that's kind of like the beginning of the friendship yeah 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 i could see that like they are on the same level of sarcastic understanding yeah like they they kind of get each other without yeah they can like banter back and forth yeah yeah i agree so next week is episode seven. What is the name of that one? The self-destruct button. Oh no. Oh no. Who's going to self-destruct? Meredith or Shepard or both? I don't know. But stay tuned for next Friday at 9 a.m. Grab your drink whether alcoholic or non-alcoholic because it's always five o'clock somewhere and catch us on anchor spotify you know the drill and we will see you next week